Welcome to the Legal One podcast, brought to you by Legal One, the leader in school law training in the state of New Jersey. Legal One is part of the NJPSA and FEA family, so we are thrilled to be offering this podcast to you as a way to help you gain a greater understanding of critical legal issues. We want to provide you with convenient, easy access to essential information. Each episode is 30 minutes or less, so it provides a timely way for you to get information. In each episode, we're going to be reviewing critical legal principles based on case law, statute, regulation, or other key guidance. We'll talk about why that issue matters today and how the law has evolved. We'll talk about key steps in working with parents and other critical stakeholders to positively address the issues in question. And we'll give you more information. We'll give you resources so that you can access online courses and other events and know how to get a greater level of understanding of these issues. So let's get started. And thank you so much for joining us for the Legal One podcast. Welcome to the Legal One podcast. My name is David Nash. I'm the director of the Legal One program. Today's episode is part of a 12-part series focused on school reopening in the law. In this episode, we're going to be looking at issues of student mental health and the key steps that we should be thinking about and taking as we prepare for a reopening in September. I'm very pleased to have with me today Sue Coyle. Sue is the Middlesex County Traumatic Loss Coalition Coordinator and comes to our podcast today with a tremendous amount of prior experience. Sue previously served as a special education teacher, a school counselor, a supervisor, and has great experience addressing a wide range of student mental health issues and substance abuse issues, having also served as a student assistance coordinator for school districts. So Sue, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me, David. As we begin our conversation regarding student mental health issues, it's important to have a strong foundation in the legal requirements that all school districts need to address when it comes to student mental health. There are a wide range of state and federal laws that come into play as we think about the critical need to support all of our students and make sure that we're addressing underlying student mental health needs. So for example, we have the New Jersey Law Against Discrimination that ensures that no student or adult in the school setting is discriminated against based on any sort of underlying mental health issue or a wide range of other protected characteristics. We have the Americans with Disabilities Act and Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act of 1973 that provide strong protections for any students who may be suffering through various mental health issues and underlying mental health needs. We have IDEA, the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, that ensures that students who have underlying mental health issues that impact their ability to learn are provided strong support through our special education system. We have the New Jersey Anti-Bullying Bill of Rights that ensures that no student should be ostracized, singled out, demeaned, harmed in any way because of that student's underlying mental health issues. We have a very strong system of supports that need to be in place in every school district in the state of New Jersey. Every school district must have in place a comprehensive intervention and referral service system to make sure that we are addressing and identifying student needs proactively. And we have a strong movement across the nation to put in place a multi-tiered system of supports to make sure that we are addressing students at all levels, regardless of what their needs may be, including universal supports for all students, 
targeted supports for groups of students and more individualized supports for individual students. As we prepare for a large scale reopening of schools, and of course we have had many students coming into our schools through hybrid systems over the last several months, but as we prepare for a large scale reopening where virtually all of our students and staff will be back in our buildings in September, we know that we have had tremendous strains put on our students over this past year. And we need to be prepared for the many challenges that come with what we have all experienced having gone through this global pandemic and all of the harms that have come with it. So for example, there was a recent government accounting office report that was released that showed that there has been a tremendous increase in students and adults who are suffering the symptoms of anxiety and depression. The number of individuals who are suffering those symptoms has more than tripled in the past year. We have seen a large increase in individuals who've had to go to the emergency room because of drug overdoses or have had to go to the emergency room because of suicidal ideation. We have seen a significant strain put on all aspects of our healthcare system and unfortunately, we've seen a disproportionate impact when we look at the pandemic and the impact that it's had on poor and minority communities across the country. So as we begin our conversation, Sue, can you talk about some of the challenges that school districts need to be prepared for as we look to have a large scale reopening of our schools in September and some of the steps that we should be taking to prepare for that reopening and supporting all of our students? Sure, David. You know, we hear the word unprecedented a lot um, these days, but it certainly is applicable here because there have been unprecedented disruptions, stress, uncertainty, trauma, and loss that's been experienced by students, parents, other family members, and educators as well. And, and all the adversity that's been present during the pandemic, you know, are things that were present before. We know, I know from my work, working in the schools and overseeing crisis response, as well as my work now as a county coordinator for the Traumatic Loss Coalition, we know that under normal times, you know, we see unfortunate losses of students and staff, violence, overdose, all those things that we deal with on a regular basis has now got this whole other layer of additional concern that is needing to be addressed by educators as we come back. We've seen increases in hospitalizations for suicidal ideation. We've seen an increase in the loss of students that was happening before the pandemic. We were seeing a rise in the numbers of students with suicidal ideation and students who've died by suicide, as well as overdoses, rise in violence, kids feeling the effects of um, systemic and overt racism, increased economic hardship, you know, that all these things that are filtering down from the adults to the kids, increased domestic violence in the homes, and a time when kids most need opportunities to develop and practice social emotional skills. They've been isolated for over a year now from their friends and their teachers, you know, and they've lost milestones, graduation proms and other rites of passage. And those students who've returned to school you know, have returned to a school environment that looks very different with different rules and different ways of being and different ways of interacting on a social basis. You know, so those are all some of the key things to be keeping in mind. 
And some of the effects that we're seeing on young people is just in general, heightened sense of anxiety, kids coming back with parents reporting sleep difficulties, irritability, much more need to deal with families that are grieving because we've seen much more loss. And those that have experienced losses not related to the pandemic, you know, have had a harder time dealing with loss and grief because people have been isolated from one another and haven't been able to grieve in the normal ways where we all come together. And we know that connections are the, one of the things that gets people through is, is having those important connections with family and friends. So that was something that was stripped away during the time of the lockdown as well. So people are still feeling the effects and are going to feel that for a long time to come. And then just in general, teachers are reporting that they're seeing students having greater difficulty just concentrating and focusing and getting into you know, routines because there's been so much disruption. And then an overall feeling of not feeling safe, you know, a feeling uncertain to coming back to school and not knowing if it's going to be safe or not. So you outlined so many critical issues that we need to be thinking about, and it can feel overwhelming for everyone involved in our school system to address all of these issues. So let's try to break this down a little bit. We know, for example, that we have some students who we are aware have underlying mental health issues who prior to the pandemic, we were providing supports for on an ongoing basis. And for some of those students, they did not continue to utilize the same level of support during the pandemic. So can you talk a little bit about students who we are already aware of, who we already know have underlying mental health needs, who perhaps were not accessing resources to the same extent during the pandemic and some of the steps that we might wanna take for those students as they're coming back? We know that one of the biggest problems that's faced with students with mental health issues is that many under normal circumstances are not able to access resources or do not access resources. And those who do aren't always able to continue with them. So one of the crucial kinds of support that was lost during the pandemic is, is that connection of teachers and school counselors and child study team folks having a keen eye on providing support for those kids during those school hours that we were able to work with kids on an individual basis and monitor them. So all those connections that in the past had kept kids safe that provided a really good way to mitigate things getting out of hand with students has been severed. So as schools are coming back to in-person environments, it's gonna be a really important thing to remind staff about all those crucial things that are important to keep an eye out so that they can identify students and get them to the school professionals that, that know how to pick up and start up fresh with those students. So as people are transitioning from one school to another and one grade to another, we wanna make sure that that information of those students that we already know about gets passed along. And then we also are doing all those important pieces about surveying staff, about students that they may already know about from their experiences, even with talking with parents and dealing with kids virtually. So other important things to be doing at that point is setting up a very structured way of monitoring, passing on information to teachers, creating good communication systems and structured communication systems with teachers and parents 
so that monitoring can happen in an ongoing way and have a nice flow back and forth with parents and teachers and, and counselors so that nothing is falling through the cracks. So setting up structures, setting up schedules and ways that people are gonna communicate. And then it's also important, David, to make sure that teachers have had so much on their plate and other folks that work in the schools have had so much on their plate now and new things to deal with during this last year and a half. We want to give them good reminders and re-educate them about how to identify additional students that we know we're going to be seeing because of their experiences during the pandemic. So creating some professional development with all the other busy things that educators need to do, this is something, a key thing that cannot be overlooked and should happen early on in the school year. And then I would find ways to structure refresher or additional PD. Doesn't have to be full out PD things, but finding ways to make sure that, you know, we're constantly keeping it in the forefront of the minds and giving information in an ongoing way to teachers and other folks that work in the school about how to keep an eye on, on students and having structures for collaboration and making sure that we're re-evaluating whether or not, I mean, in my discussions with school counselors in my county, they said that they've seen many new reasons to use 504 for students who were virtual that they never, that never needed that before. And then the flip side is, is that some kids that had 504 plans, uh, they didn't need this, any accommodations um, as things flipped. So, you know, everything's kind of been turned upside down. So you really have to be having a keen eye on those things as well. And then also making sure that those really key areas of how you connect students with additional services outside of school, because school folks are gonna be really overwhelmed and you wanna make sure, and, and we do know we're gonna have students with higher levels of needs. So I really suggest that school counselors and administrators and child study team people really spend some time reconnecting with all of those outside types of support systems and agencies and organizations that provide mental health services and, and you know, reinvigorate those relationships and let them know what kind of things that they're seeing. You know, for instance, since we are seeing an unprecedented number of students presenting with suicidal ideation, and we know that it's always a chore for educators to have good systems for doing suicide assessment within the schools so that they're not unnecessarily sending students, you know, to crisis centers and emergency rooms. So having a good, good systems in place as to how you do assessments to determine whether or not a student needs a crisis assessment at an outside agency immediately, or whether it's something else that can be handled, you know, without patient services. So of course, as students are coming back into school, we're going to sometimes be learning for the first time about issues that may have happened weeks or even months ago. And some of those were incredibly traumatic experiences that students went through. Can you talk a little bit about how educators and other school employees should be assessing those issues that we're learning about for the first time that could have a tremendous impact on students but may have occurred a long time ago? Sure, David. I highly recommend, and many schools that I've, I've spoken with recently have started to do this, where you do a survey, where you survey students and you survey parents 
And that serves a lot of additional benefits as well, because at this time, one of the key things that's going to really help everybody come back successfully is really improving on those homeschool relationships and those student-teacher, student-counselor type relationships. So just even asking is sending the message, first of all, that everyone cares and that everyone understands, you know, what that people have been through some real hardships during this last year and a half. So it's helping people come back and it's giving them a, uh, maybe a measure of safety that they wouldn't have before just, just because schools are asking the question. So you know, having some brief surveys and giving parents information about what they're concerned, you know, what, what kind of things that they're looking for so that they, they can then begin those conversations with parents and you know, really working within that framework, what I would really suggest is going back to the basics of what we know does work and using this, thinking about our three-tiered system of support. And because we know there's going to be you know, such a large amount of students that are coming back with struggles. The best place to start is by providing all those universal supports for everyone, because we know, you know, that's going to do no harm. It can only help students. So really starting with and focusing more intentionally on those universal supports like social emotional learning, working on school climate, having your emergency protocols in place, you know, so that if anything does happen, you know, people can feel a measure of safety because they know that the school is on it. And a lot of schools, you know, are beginning to promote more wellness activities, really beefing up their suicide prevention efforts and, um, and those mental health curriculum that is now, you know, have, was just fairly new before the pandemic. So I would suggest reinvigorating everybody's knowledge and re looking at your curriculum, your mental health, health curriculums, so that all those things that we know are going to help with that focus on social emotional needs and learning will swoop up some of those students with those universal supports and then surveying staff to make sure that they're aware that they should be bringing their concerns about students to you. Doing those check-ins and monitoring and having small groups, providing small support groups for those students that we know need something more beyond the universal supports. And then moving into the tier three, you know, when we have those kids with high levels of needs, you know, having really good support plans that are collaborative so that everyone is aware of the students' needs. Teachers are getting support with how to support students with those high-level mental health needs in the classroom and other school folks that might be dealing with that student in, in clubs or sports or other things like that and just providing a level of structure and planful monitoring and support and collaboration among home, school, and everyone in that educational environment that works with that student. There is another group of students that I wanted to briefly touch on. So we have some students who have in some ways actually thrived and done incredibly well while they have been at home during the pandemic. And some of those students may have struggled with anxiety, with socialization um, issues, and may be fearful at the notion of actually coming back into that school environment and being with their peers. So can you talk about um, some of the considerations that go into addressing the needs of those students who may be doing very well academically right now, but have some real fears about coming back into the school environment? 
That's a great question, David, because that that's something that I've been um, pondering and talking with other educators about over this past year because a large portion of my time um, when I was still working um, in the K-12 realm was working with students who needed to be out on home instruction and could only be successful while they were getting a lot of additional supports outside of school. So that, that, those are the families and students that we really do need to be starting those conversations with right away and evaluating and examining with them what has worked, looking at them through a different lens because we have students that, that for instance, that were having trouble being in school because they were struggling with anxiety are able to now say, you know, like I can be academically successful in this other environment so I think we need to step back and take a, a real hard look at what the benefits and what the, the downsides of them coming back full swing. And I would recommend proceeding with caution and proceeding slowly and not just forcing back, you know, we, those are kids that we know are, are somewhat fragile. So I wouldn't be forcing them back right away. And I would consider ways to do it in a more gradual way find ways to involve them in school life in various different types of creative ways so that they're still engaged, they're still part, and they're still developing relationships, but moving slowly and cautiously. So as we're thinking about so many students coming back into our school system, can you talk a little bit about some of the resources that are available from the traumatic loss coalitions, of course, and then some of the other resources that are available to help students as we're addressing so many student needs? The Traumatic Loss Coalition is a, a statewide organization that is administered through Rutgers University Behavioral Healthcare. They are funded by the Department of Children and Families, and every, every county has a coordinator that oversees a combination of, of school people, mental health school people, people from agencies, could be law enforcement, could be faith-based, but primarily mental health agency folks and school folks come together they provide ongoing training and um, collaboration throughout the year with a focus on suicide prevention, trauma-informed practices. And then they also have an all-important lead crisis response team that has been specifically trained to go in and assist schools when there has been some kind of a traumatic loss or some kind of a disaster that has, it has a broad impact in the school. And their, their sole focus is to go in and assist schools in um, organizing a response. And then we have individuals who are mostly um, school and mental health agency folks who've been trained to go in and, and help with that and assist with that. But the Traumatic Loss Coalition also does an awful lot of consultation for all kinds of issues that might not require a whole team to go in. You know, so I encourage people to look up who your county coordinator is and also get your school counselors or child study team folks or administrators. Um, I I've, have all of those in my county coalition who come to the regular meetings and share resources, participate in trainings, review incidences in other schools so that we can learn from them. So it's, a, it's an absolutely great resource and it's all free. And then there's, there's other organizations that have tremendous resources on, on their websites like NAMI and the National Association of School Psychologists 
has a lot of great guidance and resources that can be used for parents. One of the things when there are needs to get information out to parents about various different types of mental health issues or crisis type events, they have a great pool of resources for parents that, that can be accessed in about 15 different languages. You know, so I would encourage educators to, to look for that. And then look at other resources such as the traumasensitiveschools.org. I think we'll provide lots of good ideas with regard to like what I was talking about with universal supports as you move back into school. So one final question for you, Sue, as we think about what we have all experienced going through this pandemic, are there some lessons that we should take from this and some ways that we should be reimagining perhaps the support system that we have in place for our students? I think that there's so much that we have learned about student mental health and the mental health of adults. I think we need to be looking at both and the mental health of parents as well. I think that it's a, a great opportunity because until now, there's been a lot of stigma around mental health. But this has taught us all that it's important to think about mental health in, in terms of wellness and all that we can be doing and all of the things that schools can be implementing to promote mental health and to promote mental health education. And then also those important pieces of understanding and recognizing the fact that there is a large percentage of students and adults that do struggle with mental health, but that it is treatable and that there are resources and that we can address those in the school with intentionality. So I want to thank you, Sue, as always, for taking time to share your great insights and wisdom and for all of the support that you have provided on an ongoing basis uh, throughout the state and nation when it comes to addressing mental health issues. For those who are interested in gathering more information about the topics that we discussed today, we encourage you to visit the Legal One website at www.njpsa.org slash LegalOneNJ. We're also pleased that we are offering our podcast series in partnership with New Jersey PTA. So we encourage those listening to visit the New Jersey PTA website at www.njpta.org. I wanna thank everyone for taking the time to listen to today's podcast. Thank you for the great work you're doing in our state to support our students. Be safe, be well, and I look forward to seeing you in a future episode of the Legal One Podcast. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you would like more information on the topics we covered, a full list of episodes, or a preview of upcoming topics, please visit our website at www.njpsa.org legal1nj.